experiencing God. What does that really mean? In all of our lives, we have been taught that God is this transcendent one that's so far removed from the experience of mankind that basically he can only be intellectually known. You and I have the privilege at times maybe to get a glimpse into a little bit of who God is, but to really experience God, we've been taught that will not ever happen. And yet when you begin to study the scripture, what you find is, is that God begins to reveal himself from the very beginning of time. That in the book of Genesis, the 21st chapter, as to his duration, the Bible says he is the everlasting God. Genesis goes on to say as to his power, he is the almighty God. Deuteronomy says as to his holiness, he is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy goes on to say as to his grace, he is a merciful God. As to his fidelity, Deuteronomy says, he is a faithful God. As to his vitality, he is the ever-living God, Joshua says. And so as you begin to read those things, you begin to study those, all of a sudden there begins to be this overwhelming passion that begins to well up inside of us. But I don't know about you, sometimes when I have heard about God, and even when I've heard the word God, it's been so hard for me to wrap my brain around. Am I the only one? Years ago, I picked up a book. I didn't say I read the book. If I read every book I picked up, I'd be really smart. But I picked up a book that was entitled, The 33 Spirits of God. I bought the book. I took the book to my office. I sat down to read the book. And after the first chapter, my brain was swelling. It was oozing out my ears. Because the theology of this guy was so far beyond anything that I could understand that there was no way that I was ever going to experience the 33 spirits of God. So as we begin to look at that, what we find is that there are, there are dimensional things that we understand. I, I don't know about you, but, uh, but I, I've learned through the years that there's more than one dimension of understanding. There's more than one dimension of things that I can see. If, if you look at things, what you find is, is if I had a board up here this morning, uh, if I drew a line on that board, that would be a one-dimensional drawing. If I would take that and make it a square, it would become a two-dimensional drawing. If I would then make it a cube, it would become a three-dimensional drawing. But there's even a dimension beyond that called a tesseract, which embodies all of that, which is a fourth dimension of, of understanding. And yet, each and every one of those contains the first dimension. When you begin to study God and you begin to look at God, God, the, 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 the scripture that the Israelites quote unto this day, in fact, you are taught it as a small child and you are taught it all the days of your life, and that is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, he is one. And yet when we begin to look at scripture, we find God revealed in so many ways and we go, how can that be? Is If God is one, and then I look in scripture and I see him revealed time and time again in so many different ways and, and this guy's got 33 spirits of God, how, how can God be one? When you begin to study the Old Testament, you find uh, that, that God is revealed as El Shaddai, Elion, uh, the Almighty One. He, he said at one point, uh, he said, just tell them the I Am sent you. Think about that. He said, just describe me as the I am. 
Uh, he, he, uh, when, when you study the Old Testament scripture, you see that there are so many descriptions of God that, that it's, it's beyond our comprehension to, to begin to try to wrap our minds around it. And so how do we go into experiencing that? And so, so man has tried and theologians have tried to explain this God. And, and, and we've, we've come up with creeds and, and, and there have been ideas that have been uh, uh, you know, postured and put out there. And so uh, we, we hear words that talk about the Godhead and we try to explain the Godhead. And we say, well, you know, uh, the Godhead is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existence. Well, is that what it is? And, and we, we look at it and we say, well... Uh, you know there that there's a trinity well is that what it is and then you have those who say well there's a, it's monotheistic there's one god and there's oneness and 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 all of these things let, let me just draw a line for my life and for the life of this church this morning and say this if anybody thinks that they understand an infinite god as a finite human being you're on something no really you you you've got something pretty serious uh, and so what we do is, is that we try to figure it out. We, we try uh, to, to put it all together. What I do know is this, is that there is, our, our statement of faith says, there is one God and he is revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That one God, that one essence. I mean, when, when you read the scripture, uh, the, the, Jesus was, was with his disciples one day and they said, Lord, show us the Father. And he looked at him and he said, have I been so long with you that you don't know me? He said, if you've seen me, guess what? You've seen the Father. Isaiah said it this way. He said, you're going to call his name Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so when, when you begin to look at that, we know that there's one God, but that one God is revealed to us in the New Testament in a way that I think what God is trying to do is, is to bring his greatness down to us in such a way that we can begin to relate to him at a level we've never related before. The children of Israel never related to God on an intimate basis. They were afraid of God. They walked in fear of God. I mean, when, when the Old Testament priests would go in once a year uh, into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a, a rope around his leg. He had a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate all the way around uh, his robes. And as he walked in there, they could hear the bell tingling. It wasn't a cowbell. But they'd hear the bell tingling. And, and if that bell stopped tingling, they started pulling. Because they knew something was wrong with this guy and God had killed him in the Holy of Holies. And, and so in the Old Testament, when you, when you read the Old Testament, it, it, it's talking about the awesomeness of God, the might of God, the power of God, the demonstration of God, the consuming fire of God, all these things. But then you get in the New Covenant. And God says, I'm going to reveal myself to mankind in a way that mankind can understand. And he said, I want to reveal myself in the aspect of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be looking at who God is and how that you and I can experience this God who has brought himself down and has revealed himself unto us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how that we understand that and how that that works in us and how that that works in our lives. And so again, I would, I would encourage you this morning not to get caught up in terminology that maybe you have heard or seen or, or read about. But let us this morning kind of lay aside the tradition of man because you do know that a lot of those words that we use to describe the Godhead is not in the Bible. Let's let the Word of God kind of talk to us today and let God speak to us. I, I, I want to talk to us today about this aspect of Father. 
Now, let me first of all address this. I know that there are many of you who are listening today and who are here as well uh, that in, in your life you have not had a great example of a father. Some of you have had absentee fathers. Some of you don't know who your father is. Some of you have had a succession of fathers and stepfathers. And, and some of you have had fathers that were abusive and, and cruel, etc., etc. Some of you are like me who at some point of your life your father died and, and you were left without a father. And at 14 years of age when my father died, I, 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 th there was this void that entered my life that, that I don't know that in that sense that I ever understood. And yet, the Word of God says that God wants to be your father. Now, I want to tell you something. Some of you had great fathers. Some of you had fathers that were there, who took care of you, who loved you, who had compassion for you, who were always there. But I want to tell you, even the best of fathers weren't perfect. But I want to present to you this morning a perfect father. I want to show you this morning how that you and I can experience a perfect father. Now, as there are dimensions to experiences, I, I, I tried to think of how to, how to kind of relay this this morning. And so, uh, let, let me show you dimensions uh, that you and I can understand and you and I can, can, can get a hold of. I, I want you this morning to experience something. How many of you are ready to experience something? Those of you watching, I hope you're ready to experience. Come on, hold your hand up for a second. You ready, ready to experience something? Here's what I want you to experience this morning. I want you to experience chocolate. I saw women's heads lift up. Now we're going to experience chocolate. Watch. Chocolate comprises a number of raw and processed food products. From the seed of the tropical Frobroma cocoya tree. Cocoya has been cultivated for at least three millennia in Mexico, Central, and South America. With its earliest documented use around 1100 B.C. Are you experiencing chocolate? Yes, you are. The majority of the Mesopotamian American people made chocolate beverages, including the Aztecs, who made it into a beverage known as Nahutal, a word meaning bitter water. The seeds of the cacao tree have an intense bitter taste and must be fermented to develop flavor. I have 15 pages. that you can experience chocolate. But you're sitting back here this morning going, not doing much for me. And so that's one dimension of experiencing chocolate. Another dimension would be this morning, if I brought up on our screens today, uh, you know, a documentary about how chocolate is made. And you sat there this morning and you watched, <coughs> excuse me, and you watched chocolate being taken from the tree and being taken to the factory and as they boil it and they begin to skim off different parts of it and the the whole chocolatey process comes and then they pour a little sugar in it and are you getting anointed yet and and you you would experience chocolate in that dimension in in, in a sense in a second dimension but there's a third dimension of chocolate Now, this dimension of chocolate, anybody want to experience a dimension of chocolate? 
Now eat that after church. They told me the first service I was smacking for 30 minutes. How many of you know that as great as explaining to you about what chocolate is, that there's a whole other dimension of taking a bite of chocolate? You move into a different experience. Now, you experienced it when I read it to you. You would have experienced it if your eyes had seen it. But when you bite into chocolate, mm, Holy Ghost comes. The Bible says, taste and see. For the Lord, <laughs> He is good. Some of you are blown away this morning. You have never been to a church where the preacher ate chocolate on the stage. <laughs> Baby, hang around here a while and it'll get even worse, all right? The, the, the whole thing that we have to understand this morning is, is that a lot of our understanding and a lot of our experiencing God has been just reading. We've read about Him. We've read what the Word of God says. We can quote great passages of Scripture. I always, I always think it's interesting, and I'll hurry in the sermon this morning, but, uh, but a lot of times I, I would love for all of us that come from different backgrounds to change, exchange Bibles and see what Scriptures we've underlined. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if, if you come from a Spirit-filled background, you're underlining everything about the Holy Spirit. If you come from a Baptist background, you're underlining everything about security. <laughs> right? Uh, you, 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 whatever you're, I, know I better stop because I'll get in trouble. But, you know, uh, and, and all of us are looking at, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the six blind men that got a hold of the elephant. And they said, describe to us an elephant. One said, well, elephant's bristly. And the reason it was bristly is because he had a hold of a tail. Another one said, an elephant's real hard and smooth because he had a hold of a tusk. Another one said he's kind of wet and squiggly because he had a hold of the snout. Another one says it's kind of thin and, and, and because he had a hold of the ear. See, every one of the blind people were describing the elephant, but they could not see the totality of it. In our descriptions of God, we have tried to wrestle it down to something, and what we just really need to do is we need to just do what the Word of God says and interpret the Scripture by the Scripture. And in the New Testament, the Word of God gives us what you and I can understand. He said, you can understand Father, you can understand Son, and you can understand Holy Spirit. That's who I am. Get that and get that down inside of you. And so this morning as we begin to look at the aspect of Father, of how God relates to us as Father, I, I want to I help us to understand some things because I think a lot of us ha have a misconception of who God is and our experience with God has been very, very, uh, at the least it's been shallow and, and sometimes at the worst it's been very, very destructive in our minds and the way we were brought up. Uh, the, let, let's just get into it. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Psalm, the 95th chapter, and, and let's begin in, in verse number 6, if you would. The Bible says this in Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When we begin to experience God, we experience him as Jehovah Hosniu, which, which it just means the Lord, our maker. He is your father. How many of you know your father is your maker? If you've ever watched Bill Cosby's routine, 
about his son giving him grief and, and he calls his son in and he, he begins to talk to him and, and, and finally he, he just looks at the boy and says, let me tell you something. He said, I can take you out and make another one just like you. Why? Because he's the father. The father has the ability to make. And, and so when, when I begin to understand that, wait a minute, now don't miss this. If God is my father and he is my maker, he has made me, uh, then, then as the, the lady who used to sing for Billy Graham says, God don't make no junk. There are a lot of us who walk around with such inferiority complexes and, and, and we, we feel like everybody else is better than us or, or we allow people to put us in places that we shouldn't. Wait a minute. Your father. The Bible says that you were created in his image and in his likeness. Your father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the almighty God. There is none like unto him. So why in the world should you walk around with your head bowed down, feeling insecure and inferior? Your Father is your Maker. And when you begin to relate to God as your Father, something begins to happen. When you begin to realize, He's my Maker. He created me in His image and in His likeness. And, and I can understand that. And when I begin to have that, all of a sudden I begin to live in a different way. I walk a little different. I, 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 I even wore a suit today. I was going to talk about my daddy is my Maker and I wanted to look good. See, there, there's, there's this whole process. You say, you, you mean you can call God Daddy? Yeah. The Bible says call him Abba Father. Just good old southern colloquialism. That means Daddy. Amen. He's your Father. He's your Maker. But not only is he your Maker, the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter says, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. That word there is Jehovah Nissi. And here's what it means. The Lord is my protector. I want to tell you if, you, if you had the father who was what they should be, they were the ones who protected you, especially girls. Man, there's something about a daddy and his girls that he don't want anybody. I mean, there was, there was never, my daughter is married and 27, but there was never a guy good enough to date her. You know, I wanted to be the guy who was sitting there cleaning my shotgun when the, Right? Come on, some of you guys understand. And, and, and there, there, was this pro, there was protection that, that was brought uh, to, to the life because he's Jehovah Nissi. But you know what? As great as, in, in fact, if you, if you ever saw a couple of kids scrapping on the playground, one of them starts getting beat up, they'll look at him and say, well, my daddy can whoop your daddy. Right? They know they're getting tore up, but they're going to they're gonna get daddy involved. They're going to get their father involved. Well, watch this. The Lord is our protector. Your father protects you. The psalmist said, a thousand may fall at my right hand, ten thousand on my left, but it shall not come nigh my dwelling. Why? Because God is my protector. My father protects me. Scripture goes on to say in the book of Judges, it says, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. And called it, the Lord is peace. Not only is he Jehovah Nissi, my banner, and that banner is protection, but he is Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord, our peace. There's just something about a father. When a father walks into the house, a true father brings peace. 
because everybody just knows no matter what's happening in the house. In fact, many of you moms have said, when your daddy gets home, right, just wait till your daddy gets home. And you why? Because daddy brought something into the house that, that was beyond comprehension sometimes. But the Bible says the Lord is our peace. And so the Bible talks about that there's a peace that passeth understanding, uh, that God garrisons us with his peace. But, but another part of the word shalom there, which is where this word peace comes from, another translation or another interpretation for that word is nothing missing and nothing broken. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Have you ever seen a child walk up to their father with a broken toy? And say, Daddy, can you fix this? Right? And sometimes earthly fathers can fix it. And sometimes they can't. But I want to tell you, there's a heavenly father. No, you, you, you got to get it. There's a heavenly father that when you bring him your brokenness, you bring him the missing parts of your life, you bring him all the struggles and all the problems and all the difficulties. He doesn't berate you. He doesn't smack you around. He doesn't mistreat you. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's something about being able to go to your father and saying, Lord, I want to bring to you my mess today. Let, let, let me share this and we'll hurry. But, but a lot of us genuinely run to the Lord when we've accomplished something. You know, it's kind of like the kid who wins the trophy comes home to show daddy. But a lot of us hide like Adam and Eve in the bushes when we mess up. And yet our father is not going to kick us out of the family because we've broken something or we've lost something. He's waiting for us to bring our brokenness and our missing stuff to him because he's Jehovah Shalom, the Lord God, our peace. It goes on, 1 Samuel 1.3 says, The man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. It's Jehovah and I always get this word, it's Sabaoth, S-A-B-A-O-T-H. And what it means is the Lord of hosts or the Lord who is ruler of all. Now I want to tell you, there's something about a father who, who kind of brings some rulership into our lives, who, who kind of sets some direction. But the word of God says that you and I have a father who is the ruler of all. Don't miss it. He rules in everything. That, that's why you and I have been taught in, in the New Testament to turn the other cheek. And if somebody does you bad, to, to do them good. Why? Because the Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. My father is going to settle my accounts. Come on, don't miss it. The reason why I should freely forgive and freely love and, and freely turn the other cheek is it's not because I'm a wimp or, or somebody who, it's, it's because my father is the ruler of all and there's coming a day he's going to balance the scales of justice. 
And so you may treat me wrong, you may do things to me, but there's coming a day my Father's going to step into this earth again. And when He does, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The Bible says God takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That's the kind of Father that I serve who moves in my life. Scripture also talks in the book of Genesis, the 22nd chapter, it says, And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah-Jireh. It's the place where Abraham goes to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, and as he lifts the knife up, God sends an angel and speaks to Abraham and says, I see that you love me, and I have a ram in the thicket. And Abraham lifts his eyes, and he sees the sacrifice in the thicket, and Abraham just exclaims out of the passion of the moment, You are Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. I want to tell you something. A father is a provider. I don't want to mess in your world, but the Bible says if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. And it says, if you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an infidel. Well, glory, we're shouting about that on the streets of glory, aren't we? And, and, and when you begin to look at that, you know what? Uh, uh, when you understand, I have never, I have never in all my life, and, and don't expect to, I have never had my kids come up to me and say, hey, Dad, how's the finances? You got enough money? Are you, are, are you doing all right? How's the budget going? No, my kids have just always walked in, opened the refrigerator, and said, I want something. Open the pantry and want it fully stocked. And they just expect, right? They just expect daddy's going to have taken care of it. Now, sometimes my cash reserves might run a little low. But my father who speaks galaxies into existence, who never ever wakes up with a shortage, who never ever has a recession, who even says, I think I'll just pave my streets with gold. He said, I am your father and I'll be your provider. What, what a wonderful, wonderful understanding of who God is. And so God provides for us and, and He brings these things into our life. And yet what I find so often is, is I find that, that people don't experience God in what I've talked about this morning. A lot of you have been presented a picture of God that is so, so far from what He really is. And some of us grew up with with teaching and preaching in such a way that we literally felt like we were being dangled over hell by a thread and God was just waiting with scissors to clip it so we'd just go to hell and it'd all be over with. And yet when you begin to understand as God revealed himself, especially in the New Testament, as Father, he said, that's not the kind of Father I am. In fact, he at one point said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to them who ask Him the Holy Spirit? He said, that's the kind of God I am. He said, there's no shadow of turning with me. He said, I won't tempt you. I won't try you. I, I won't take you down the wrong road. That's the kind of Father we serve. But, but how, how do we experience the Father part of God? How, how, how do we enter into that? 
where, where we can relate to God as Father. You know, a, a lot of people relate to God in, in, in so many ways, but we, we really find out how that you get there in the book of John, the third chapter. The third chapter, you've heard me say it before, but it's what I refer to as Nick at night. Okay, you got to laugh at my jokes, so I'm going to quit preaching. <laughs> it says, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, okay? Nick at night, all right? And, and next time, laugh better. And, and so it said, said he came to Jesus at night, and, and he goes through this whole thing about, you know, we know you're the Son of God, we know you're a great teacher, we know all this. And, and Jesus just finally looked at him and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus goes, Lord, I'm an old man. How can I enter again into my mother's womb? And Jesus looked at him and kind of said, you just don't get it, do you? He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. He said, you've been born of the flesh, but now you need to be born of the Spirit. You, you need to enter into this born-again experience with me so that you can experience the fatherhood of God, that you can understand that God is your Father and that He loves you. And so many of us miss that. We, we miss the understanding of how to experience God as a Father. But it's real simple. It really involves one word, and that word is trust. That word is trust. I've got to be willing to trust that if I give my life to God, He's going to take care of me. He's going to be my protector. He's going to be my provider. He's going to be my Father who is there day in and day out. I've got to trust Him. And there are some of us who have such a struggle with that trust thing. And yet you're here this morning. And God is reaching to you saying, I want you to experience me as a loving heavenly father. I want you to know me as your father. But you've got to trust me. And you've got to enter into a relationship. You say, Pastor, how do I experience this born-again thing. The Word of God says, Apostle Peter said, if you repent, the word repent means to change your mind, change your direction. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you, to your children, and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So God says, you, you, you just, you've got to come into the kingdom. The Word of God says, if you'll confess your sins, He's just and faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when, when I come to that point of saying, God, I've been a sinner. I've lived the way that I've wanted to. I need today to experience you as my Father. I need you to be my maker today. The Word of God says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And I enter into that place of now being his child and being able to relate to him as my father.
Thank you for tuning in today. Please join Pastor Couples next week for another message designed to help you successfully live the Spirit-empowered life. Please log on to our website at www.loveandtruthchurch.com or visit us in person on Oilwell Road in Jackson. And remember, God wants you to lead a Spirit-empowered life.